Dear Jazzy. The following program is intended for mature adults over the age of 18. If you are not a patron looking for information on sex, relationships, and gender, please visit scarletteen.org. Nothing said on this show is a replacement for official medical advice. Trust me. Last time I checked, no one here is a doctor. Welcome back to Dear Jazzy episode 46, a show where we answer all of life's kinky questions. I am your host, Jasmine Starshine, but you are not Miss Mimi. No, I am not. Oh my god, it's Daddy. Back from the grave. <laughs> How have you been? Good. I uh, had some free time in my schedule and I'm glad to be back on the show, so thank you for having me. Which is a miracle given the fact that you are, you know, balls deep in your uh, dissertation right now. Well, you know, I. I made some time, so yes, I'm did. here, I'm excited to be here, it's going to be great. Yes, I'm, and we are all, I, I say this on behalf of everyone who's re- been requesting another Daddy Gray episode, we are all very happy to have you here. Oh my god, you're blushing! <laughs> so cute. So if you hear any weird mic stuff, that's just because of the way I'm like processing the signals, but it, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. Um, oh. How have you been? Since last episode. It's been a while. Since, like, what, Capcom? I think you did one episode past Capcom. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, things have been good. Uh, work, as you know, before your dear listeners, um, has been absolutely bonkers um, between the increase in requests for programming that I do and hiring new staff and... All of training that, the staff, training the staff, and getting all the things situated, and then the semester ending. Um, my life has been in kind of an upheaval, but it's starting to thankfully slow down a little bit, at least for two weeks. I'll have two weeks where it's pseudo slow, and then it'll just pick back up again. So, yeah, you know, after you finish that doctorate, you just have to coast till then. Well, not because you just have to struggle till then, and then you'll be able to like breathe. That's what they keep telling me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am very happy to have you back on the show. It's very exciting. Um, Before we get into it, as we know, uh, I'm going to see if I can. I have a different, like, my mic is on a different stand, so I'm going to see if I can't do this without looking too weird, although I guess no one's seeing it. Uh, We have a Patreon. You know this because you're on the Patreon. Um, But let's go through it. Um, Starting in the $1 vanilla tier, we have Damia, Fluffy Nate, Ray Star, and Tone Cluster. In the $5 Kinkster tier, we have A.B. Michael, Brya, Casa, Juicebox, Maxi, and Skywalker. In the $10 fascist tier, we have Ishi, who says, It's for rich. Uh, Sarah and Scotia. In the $15 tier, we have Daddy Gray, who writes, Baby girl is wearing a diaper while recording the show, and it's very cute. I feel like that's a given at this point. Oh my god. Yeah, but you're still blushing about it, so... You know. And Kaneko, who writes, blah. And Stu, who writes, another cog in the murder machine, which is actually from Teenagers, which is not one of your favorite MCR songs. Oh, are we gonna... You're gonna just put me on blast no. about Teenagers <laughs> and how I, I absolutely hate that song. <laughs> But I have reasons. Okay, I have reasons. You do have very valid reasons. But also, now that I'm an adult, I bond with the lyrics so much more than when I was a teenager. Because every day I have to block minors from trying to get all up in my fucking accounts. And I'm just like, stop it. Teenagers scare the living shit out of me. 
And in the fight, uh, bleh, excuse me, the $20 deviant tier, we have Big C, Jamie Bell, who writes, please read this in a Hank Hill voice. <clears throat> to all my anime fans out there, if this is what you're into now, then I've got a waifu you might find pretty kawaii, and her name is Responsibility Chan. Anjo. I, you're, you're chuckling, Tirza? I feel that was pretty good. I feel that was pretty good. What do you think? It was just one pause away from being your Obama impression. <laughs> it, was, it was just one pause. They do an Obama's voice? Yeah, I feel like the <laughs> listeners would enjoy that. My fellow Americans, to all my anime fans out there, if this is what you're into now, then I've got a waifu you might find pretty quiet. And her name is Responsibility Chan, my fellow American. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I didn't go through the tier rewards. $1 gets you a username shout out. $5 gets you a nude picture set and a username shout out. $10 gets you all the below, including an extended shout out and video porn once a month. Uh, $15 gets you some like co-director roles in the porn. You can decide what goes into it. And 20 bucks gets your name written on me in the porn. So thank you very much, everyone, for donating and helping the ongoing production of the show, especially since um, a lot of us are going through like money issues right now. So if you had to drop your pledge or cancel your pledge or haven't pledged yet, don't stress about it. Uh, focus on yourself first more than anything, because putting food on the table is more important than porn. Porn's pretty important, but take care of yourself first. Um, with that being said, I think we're ready to get rolling into the questions. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and start addressing some of the questions. All right. All right. This is my my time to shine. Okay. <laughs> do you want me? Do you need a desk for your laptop? Do you want me to move your mic? No. You know what the situation is. You know, I'm just. I feel like in my old age, it sometimes the font's just a little small, and so I just have to bring it out and and just you know, Jazzy wears glasses. I do not yet wear glasses. Yes. I will need them eventually, probably sooner rather than later. Um, so this is fine. This, oh, this works. You know, if it makes you feel better, I definitely increased the font size on my browser today because I, too, am old. <laughs> and every time I say I'm old, and you're just you're in your 20s, Arnold. Trust me. <laughs> Talk to me when you're 25. And you told me when you turn 25, that's when things start slowing down. I absolutely feel it. Yeah, yeah, shit just starts breaking. It's and you're true. Like, Wait. I was like, well, I don't remember my eyes being this bad. Yeah, well, as it goes. As it goes. All right, Let's so for our first question, uh, Dear Jazzy, my partner has been a bit of a brat lately. Would it be considered cruel and unusual punishment to install Windows 8 onto their laptop? And this is from Jamie Bell at Circuit City using she, her pronouns. I think uh, installing... Windows 8 on someone's laptop is against the Geneva Convention, actually. <laughs> um, especially if it's not even 8.1. If it's just a vanilla install of 8, I think you might go to prison for that. I'm not going to lie. What, what do you think? Given that uh, the 10th was actually uh, International Human Rights Day, I'm fairly certain that uh, that is in direct violation of the UN. So yeah. I, I would strongly discourage that. The League of Nations is going to reform... The Soviet Ooh. Union will come back and hunt you down for doing that. Yeah, but you know what is what is legal is um, Vista, so you could do that. Oh, God. <laughs> they didn't, it's arguably they didn't, worse. Well, but they didn't put that in the code, so that's okay. 
Yeah, no, that's true. But God, that's almost as bad as like Windows ME. God, we both had such visceral responses to that. Oh, God, let's get the fuck off of this question. (laughs) What's the next one? All right. So, uh, dear Jazzy, how do I acquire a mighty simp army asking for a friend? Love your local striped cat dog using he, him, or they, them pronouns. Look, everyone who listens to this show is very pretty, and I know that for a fact without even having to see you. Thusly, the best way to attract a simp army is showing off your beautiful body on the internet, and then starting a Patreon or a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, Because, like I said, everyone is beautiful in their own unique way, and everyone has a audience just waiting to throw money at them. Everyone is capable of gaining simps. And I think getting yourself out there is the best way to do it. A couple episodes ago, we talked about how to get started on OnlyFans and Just for Fans and um, whatever the new one is now. Um, You have to be careful with Patreon just because they're a little iffy on posting pornography. But I, I definitely think the best way to go about it is just Get yourself out there, start networking with other creators and like start making like connections and doing collaborations and all that good influencer stuff. They can also share pictures in the uh, share your nudes section on the discord, which I think is a great way to get started if you want to just kind of test the waters because it's a safe place to do that. Look at you coming in with the Discord rep. Absolutely. You know, I downloaded the app. I got a... <laughs> you, down- you installed Discord on your fancy new Mac just to communicate with our server, and it's really sweet. And a couple other servers. But also, you're not someone who is within gaming culture. So, and you're just... Before, like a year ago, you were like, oh, fuck Discord. I hate Discord. Now you're just like, oh, I'm bebopping on into the server, and I'm online all the time. It's really cute. But yeah, no. Uh, the Share Your Nudes channel in the Dear Jazzy Discord server is an amazing place to start showing off and to get appreciation thrown at you. And you are allowed to promote your stuff in my server. So just saying. Uh, you can drop me a line um, on any of my socials to get started in there. Uh, I think that's it on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything to add? No, that that seems to be good. Yeah, for me. sounds good. We're just cruising right along. Yeah. We yeah. might get through all of these questions. I am ready. I'm all right. ready for this. I am too. Let's do it. Okay. So for our next question, Dear Jazzy, thoughts on someone who uses little space discipline play beyond the power dynamic? Where does play end and abuse start? I know many people who often end up in these situations are left feeling like their feelings and thoughts are invalid or that their partner takes the play beyond what is acceptable and they just think, Maybe I'm blowing this up and defends their actions. So what are some potential warning signs when the line gets crossed and red flags appear? Your girl in the padded throne cloud puddles using she, her. And you'll notice I said cloud puddles. I don't want there to be any misconceptions about what was said this time. Because there was always an attempted roast. But I know for damn sure I said cloud puddles. So I'm being very succinct and clear. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Um so daddy as you know, server as a lot of you know. Oh, there's the first yawn. First yawn. Ding. Um as a lot of people know, um my previous relationship was very um abusive in like in all the ways and everything. 
um, including physically. And, you know, every time I see, like, a fake Dom physically abusing their little, where it very clearly is not for play, they use play as an excuse to abuse their partners. And this is something that you see all the time on Instagram and YouTube and FetLife and even Twitter sometimes of just these fake ass grody doms who are who want nothing more than to like abuse um subs and everything um and i think like where it crosses the line is when that sort of punishment enters non scene related things and even just like the casual like pop up scenes like like sometimes like i'll get spanked or like doing a thing but for you and me it's always within the context of like a of like our dynamic and everything. It's never just like you just you've never ever laid a finger on me when it wasn't welcome ever. And I assume it will always be that way, which is why we're dating. Um so I I think you know where it crosses that boundary into abuse is when those punishments exit the realm of scenes and then when they go past the wall uh, of that a safe word puts up once it breaches that level of trust that's when it becomes abuse and everything and also when it's not clear because an abuser and a manipulator can totally mm. like work with those scenarios where things aren't clear and twist it in their favor um i think i'm going to pass off the talking stick because i can hear your brain right now and I feel like you're going to have like the this like blockbuster answer that's going to blow me away. Well, I, I don't want to disappoint. Um, hopefully, I <laughs> meet your expectations. But I, the, the first couple of thoughts that I had was, you know, anytime you're engaged in any kind of relationship, I don't care if it's a you know little big relationship, if it's within the context of kink, if it's outside of that, even if it's fully vanilla you always have to have a conversation about boundaries and consent and what things are being negotiated within that relationship. And I think, I think it's especially challenging for vanilla folks because they aren't even thinking within that context. And so for people who maybe are in kink, but maybe aren't, are coming at it from this perspective of never having been in those situations where maybe they've had to really seriously negotiate boundaries and have conversations about consent, they don't even know what questions to ask, which is why something like this show is so great because it gives people the opportunity to talk to people who have varying levels of experience who come with, you know, these different understandings and have these conversations about what this could look like. And so in short, I think that has to be thing one, right? Is to, to establish those boundaries, to establish consent and to have really clear understandings of what does it look like when we come upon a point that hasn't been negotiated, right? Um, because there will always be things that maybe people don't know to ask or even don't even think will be a trigger, right? But it brings up these emotions or feelings or it can, can cause some kind of a reaction. And so then what do we do within that conversation to, to talk about that? And I think a lot of that comes with self-awareness and understanding about yourself, right? Uh, I think therapy can be really helpful in that, but that's a whole separate kind of conversation, right? And so 
I think that's kind of a key piece of this. Now, to kind of address the abusive component, there will always be people who take any kind of a situation, and if they feel they can exploit that, they will. And I've even thinking about some of my previous relationships where, you know, any kind of attempt at establishing boundaries or talking about consent was often um, twisted into some kind of toxic, way of saying like oh well if you love me you'll do this or Mm -hmm. you know we're we're married so that means this right um and really questioning like am i like misconstruing something is there something that i'm not communicating effectively is there something that maybe i've missed uh in in terms of the way that we negotiated how we would engage in our relationship um and so in the end for me that was not the case like i was being very clear about what I wanted and what I did not want, and that was just continually ignored. And so it took a long time for me to recognize that, that was abusive. And really what it took was someone else telling me like, hey, you know that's not okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and really making me question it, because that's another thing that can happen and does happen. And I think, um, Jazzy, you could probably speak to this too if you, if you wanted to, you don't have to. Um, but just kind of recognizing how easy it is to become indoctrinated into kind of a way of being right Mm -hmm. where this is just the way things are um and for whatever reason maybe i think my therapist would probably say it's just easier sometimes to stay in that relationship because it's what you know right or it would be too difficult to break that relationship because of external circumstances um in my case it was easier to maintain the status quo a lot of the times because i was so busy with other areas of my life that any disruption, uh, especially with where I was with my mental health, could have been really dangerous for me. And so, not that I'm making an excuse, but it just kind of explains, right, kind of why people might stay stuck in those situations. And so, it might be if you know someone who's in an abusive situation, if you feel comfortable, just kind of saying like, hey, you know, I've noticed, tell me about that, Mm -hmm. right? And not really like putting anything on it yet, but really just hearing that person's perspective and just listening, right? Um, and if you know them really well, then maybe you could say, you know, when I see that happening, it makes me feel this way. It makes me feel concerned for you, right? Um, it makes me feel like your boundaries aren't being respected, right? It makes me feel like this person is hurting you. And and just kind of putting it out there so that that person can can know that they're loved, Right. And and can hear that from someone because maybe they are in a place where they just feel like that is the way things are. And so that is just kind of what what I would recommend and what what worked with me and what has worked with other people in my life who've been in similar situations. Yeah, no. um, First of all, totally blew me away as expected. I have way more than expected. Um, But I I definitely want to take you up on uh, your invitation to kind of share a bit of my story mainly because you were there with me you and like your bro were there for me like through the whole the -hmm. whole process and you saw how long it took me because i was so invested and so indoctrinated into that relationship and into that whole dynamic i was just so like thick and deep in it and everything and um to the point where um we were at denny's with like nine of our friends and my partner just 
just totally like unexpectedly just sucker punched me in the gut. And I remember like everyone at the table. Well, I didn't know this at the time because I was literally keeled over on the table in pain. But you told me after everyone almost was like standing up, getting ready to like fucking fight her. And that made me feel like so valued in that moment. But um, even in that moment, like a week later, I was with uh, your ex uh, when you two were still together, um, hanging out at like, I forget where we were, like Red Robin or something. And he says to me, Jazzy, are you being hit at home? And I said, no, even though I clearly had just been like waylaid in the gut, my brain made forced me to like forget that. And that's what like abusive indoctrination can do is that it can totally like scrub over those sectors on your hard drive like mm -hmm. instantaneously. And that's what's like so wild to me. And it wasn't until I had like so much therapy that I was able to like, like decontaminate that. And like you saw it, it took me almost a year and a half to exit that relationship. And oh God, you're giving me the face like, mm hmm, yeah, it did. Um, and it, you know, it really took you and your bro saying like, you know what you have to do, but you just have to be the one to do it. And that's just like, Ding, light bulb, get out. And then that was that. But because of the indoctrination, I literally went through the stages of grief over someone that I hated. And that's what's so wild about abuse is someone can totally twist you into themselves to the point where when you like like expel them from your life, it leaves like a hole. And that's so wild, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you reminded me of another really good point, which was, um, for myself, I had that um, kind of, like, short-term memory loss about, like, situations really badly to the point where, like, I would just forget things all the time um, that were happening to me and were happening within my relationship. And and that is, um, you know, that's a trauma response. Your brain is, is trying to keep you safe, and so when you experience these things, many times um to protect you and your mental health it will erase that so that mm -hmm. you are not kind of main maintaining a record of all of these things in in your head and what really um kind of raised it took me years but really two years to get out of my relationship and what it took was my therapist and i sitting down together and me with a notebook and her going through my file i had been seeing her for yeah, five years this thick. you know yeah. i don't even know how many pages she had on me um, but we went from the time that I started seeing her until that day that I was seeing her and she highlighted for me in my file every time that I mentioned some kind of abuse, some kind of argument, some kind of non-consensual contact, some whatever. And by the time we were done, I had like three or five pages, I can't even remember, of stuff mm -hmm. just thing after thing after thing. and i almost didn't remember any of them but clearly we had had conversations right. about these things and so that's another piece of it right um when you're having those conversations with someone if there are things that you notice that are happening and they say oh well that i don't i don't remember that i don't remember that happening write it down you could write it down but really just to it you have to break the the cycle of uh just misremembering or not remembering and saying you know it's interesting you know it's interesting for me to hear you say that because I remember when 
you know, there was this situation that happened. Or remember you telling me that this happened, right? Um, and I think it really does require a certain kind of relationship with a person because that can also make that person pull away from you if you if you do that. Um, because sometimes there is that desire to kind of maintain that relationship and maybe worry that if that partner or partners hears about you or someone else trying to disrupt what's happening, then they could also try to separate that friend or that person from you. So that's just, you know, uh, I think that's a great segue, though, to kind of go into the latter part of the question, which is like, mm -hmm. what are the warning signs, right? Um, someone trying to, you know, uh, shut down conversations. Well, it was, yeah, consent. right. Uh, shut down conversations about consent, but then isolate people from mm -hmm. their friends or family. It's yeah. like, a huge... oh, you don't want to hang out with them. You don't want to do this. With them. Yeah. Right. That's a huge red flag. Um, anytime you see something that you question, like, I don't know, like, I, I'm thinking even about that particular incident, although I already knew about the abuse when I was there and witnessed that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there was a moment where I had to make a choice. Like, am I about to, like, jump this bitch? Like, is that what's about to happen? Or, <laughs> like, am I going to, like, not? Because, like, that could have gone one of two ways. And one way could have resulted in you maybe never speaking to me again, mm -hmm. right? So it's like you, you kind of have to figure out what, what is going to work within the context of the situation. But obviously I could tell when that happened that that was not consensual, right? Right. So getting biffed in the gut is rarely consensual. Right. The and only then, time I asked to be punched is when we were at the dungeon and I was on the rack stretch out and I told you, please punch my ass. And you said, what? And I was like, fucking punch my ass. And you did. And it felt great. Yeah. Like that, that was a, a prime example. But even just to kind of highlight, there was like another incident that same night where your ex like took a knife and like hit your knuckles when you were trying to take a French fry and holy shit i forgot about that right so this is just a perfect example right where you might see something i forgot i got fucking knifed and God damn. the person who's experiencing the abuse might not even remember that that happened and so i literally did not i'm not acting right now i never act for the show i did not remember that i sorry to interrupt you there no 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 but that's just a prime example of of that and so you know I, live on the air live on the air um and so i just you know, keeping an eye out for those things, the typical warning signs of abuse are always a good thing to keep an eye out for. Um, but I think you you know people in your life well enough that you can tell when something's not right and something makes them uncomfortable or they're they're not they're not feeling what is taking place, right? Mm -hmm. And so just even to ask the question, you know. How are you feeling? How are things going? Or if you notice something, to just say, "Hey, I noticed this happening. Tell mm -hmm. me about that." Yeah. And seeing what they what they bring to the table, I think, is a really good approach. Your bro is really good at sniffing that out. He is the person that got you and me out of our respective crappy relationships. Right, and that was because he was also in a really An abusive relationship, exactly. right? So he recognized yeah. the signs, right? And so you're more. I think you're more likely to be aware of those things. Mm -hmm. If you've been through it before. I don't think I ever told you this, mainly because I only remembered it just now. I think a warning sign should have been uh, when I got beat for, like, for my ex making, like, a French bread, like, focaccia. And, like, 
I completely forget the context, but I just remember there was like she did like a French braid on like this like bread we were making, and I like did something and I got like beat for it. And that if that wasn't a warning sign to me then. And that's what's wild about abuse, you know? That's what's wild to me. Yeah. That just totally registered as normal. And from the outside looking in, it can look like Stockholm Syndrome. But really what it is, is like you just, you, you just erase it and move on as if it never happened. So how can you even question it in the moment sometimes if you don't have like a friend to like say something, you know, mm-hmm. you're never, you should never like force a relationship apart at the seams because that's not only rude, but it never works. Right. But if you see something, you should say something. Right. Yeah. I, I'll just, just to touch on that point, there was an ex that I had, not my ex-husband, but another ex. Mm. Um, we had a very toxic relationship. We're, we're, we're good now. Um, we both had a lot of growing up to do and then perhaps even more so than me. Um, although I had my, my things too. I won't disregard that. I was We were all toxic. young and dumb ones. Yeah, right. Like it was one of those teenage relationships. You know, those can be kind of. Eh, eh. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but all that is to say, we weren't great for each other. And my friend group was pretty particular about how awful my ex was. And so they many times tried to forcibly separate us, including um, one time, actually the last time, was all of them telling me they weren't going to be my friend anymore if I went back to dating them, which, um, you know, did not work. Like, yeah. that did not work. Like, it just made me feel like, oh, Shocker. so your friendship is conditional. Yeah. Right? And, like... Which it is. Right, which it was. And I'm not friends with any of those people anymore. Like, they Good. are not in my life. But it, every time that they tried to do that, we ended up back together. It wasn't until I decided that... On your own. I had had enough of the toxic nonsense and and broke it off myself that it was permanent yeah so and prime example when your ex tried to force me and and my ex apart uh that emboldened me and kept me in that for another year Mm -hmm. like a calendar year and it was like almost directly because of that situation and everything so it just like don't don't force force people people. apart just like say something but don't cause things to happen because it will not happen right yeah just you know approaching it with you know i'll say curiosity and i mean that in kind of like a coaching sense like <laughs> my, my background coming in but just you know be curious ask questions be loving to your friends because they don't you know if they're if they're being abused they don't need more abuse they need support and conversation Mm -hmm. and if you're not the person to give that to them that's okay too like it might not be you it might have to be someone else um if you're not a counselor you can't counsel right you can advise as a friend but you know know your limits and everything and just help how you are able to and don't stretch yourself too far Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i feel like i talked over you again no no that's a good point okay Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we knocked this one out of the park. Um, anything else on this one before we move on? Um, no, no, I think that that probably is good. Yeah, awesome. Uh, what is the next question? Oh, well, 
This is just gonna break the mood. And uh, you gotta bring us back up. You know? All right, we're we're going we're going back That's up. That's what we do on Dear Jazzy. We we say something hard, then we bring it up. Then we say then we bring it up. You know. All right. Well, this is uh, this is bringing us up, I guess. So, Dear Jazzy, come from Slug Slug using she/her pronouns. Dear Slug Slug, she/her pronouns, come. Next question. <laughs> that was the quickest come I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that was like fucking when I was like young and full of testosterone, like one, two, three, done. That was fast. If only it was that easy. If only it was that easy. Then again, that's also like when I set my record of like 14 orgasms in a day. And then you beat the hell out of it with like 22 or something. Yeah. And that's not like multiple orgasms in one go, but like. Sometimes when you get like just the right pool toy, you just keep coming back, and then all of a sudden your dick is coughing up like dust. At the end, it's like, please stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think probably the, this is uh, this is probably not like we should probably just no no no, no, no keep going keep no, going. No, I was just gonna say like there has definitely been times when I've been like doing my thing, and then the shit just goes numb. It's uh-huh. like how are you just gonna go numb on me? Like I'm not done with you. In the middle of this one time, like my my bit fell asleep. That's like, what I'm talking about. Like your leg falls asleep or your yeah. foot falls asleep. My bits fell asleep. And it was like, it got that like tingly yeah. static. And I was like, oh, God damn it. This and sucks. And it's like, I can't come like this. I can't. You have to just wait. Yeah. And, and then you'd be you mad as to... hell. Mm-hmm. You'd be mad as hell waiting to wake the fuck up. This is not a game. This is not a game. You'd be <laughs> not doing that shit up trying to wait. Okay, next mm-hmm. question. Next question. Ooh, okay. Dear Jazzy, what the fuck is this? Okay, I got to play Bug Snacks. <laughs> Sorry. I feel so old. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll explain. Okay. All right. Dear Jazzy, I got to play Bug Snacks the other day, and one of the creatures is called Weenie Worm. On that note, what is the most unsexy thing you can think of to call a penis? And this is from Jamie Bell at KB Toys using she, her pronouns. Well, <laughs> Jamie Bell, um... I think the unsexiest thing you can call a penis is a hog. And to daddy, Bugsnax is a PS5 launch title where there's like all these like little creatures. It's it's basically like new spore. So it's Minecraft with bugs. Sure, dad. Sure. <laughs> and RuneScape is just Minecraft with swords. <laughs> but Minecraft has swords. Oh, fuck. I can't even make that joke. Damn it. Uh, anyways, uh, Weenie Worm is one of the creatures in in this game. And the joke is that all the different creatures in this game, they all say their name like Pokemon. So it goes around Weenie Worm, Weenie Worm. It became like, ha, ah, it means penis. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to add my uh, unsexy thing to call a penis. A chode. It. Yeah. Yeah. Chode. That's mm-hmm. right. All right. No. Uh, oh, it's the, okay. We move to the next question. On. Ready to go? Yep. Okay. What is the next question? Well, before we go into the next question, no, I do need no. to say that no, we, we did take a fifteen-minute intermission because someone almost had an accident in her Pampers. Oh my! But it's a brand new diapy, and she didn't want to ruin it. Oh. So we're back after a it's short commercial be- break. I didn't want y- to make you clean it is what actually happened. And it's also new and I didn't want to ruin it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it, it was the question. <laughs> what was the question? All right. So for our next question, uh, this is one for me. It says, Goth wait, Mother. Wait, wait, wait. It... wait. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I'm too excited. Choked on my water. Ruining the recording. I know. I'm going to leave it in. Uh, <laughs> so since this question is addressed to you, that means I have to read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Some spicy water. Excuse me. Okay. Dear Gothfather Gray, what advice do you have for someone getting ready to start tea? Is there anything I should do to prepare myself for the coming changes? From a growing yin he him. What a beautiful question. Take it away. Well, where does one begin? I would say that not so, well it's not so much anything that you have well okay so tea is a hell of a drug <laughs> <laughs> so let me start there okay rick james tell me about it it's a hell of a drug and really you start to notice changes pretty quickly uh -huh. um it, it also depends on your dose and like your your levels and everything when you first start but i would say when i started i probably noticed within a few weeks like within a month i really started to notice that like my body was doing some shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, your voice is like one that I would recommend once you start, once a week, record your voice. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of, um, I think a lot of people in general are, um, you know, have dysphoria around their voice. Right. But I think for trans men or trans mask folks, it's maybe even more, I don't know. I don't want to say it's like more, but I feel like it's like a hard thing because it's like, you want it, you know that there's going to be a change, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like you want it to happen, and it's like it's not coming fast enough. It's not coming fast enough, and gotcha. you just keep feeling like, oh, I still sound like, you know. And so mm -hmm. I think it's just really hard to like kind of reconcile with like where you are versus like where you want to be, and you're like living in this body, and like you just like want things to happen, and it yeah. feels like they're right. Meanwhile, for trans women, it's Unfortunately, our home, our hormones don't do a whole lot, and it's just like, do you want a forty thousand dollars surgery to open up your throat? Do you want to do X, Y, or Z? And it's just like you know, it's it's like the pros and cons of like, like where are you? You know, how were you assigned at birth, and what are you transitioning to? What are your goals? And like, every direction, um, whether you're assigned female at birth, assigned male at birth assigned intersex at birth, etc. Because as we know, there are many situations that you can transition from. Mm -hmm. You know, every transition has its pros and cons versus like some mm -hmm. uh, gender identities that you are transitioning to have like more advanced surgeries. Some have better effects of hormones. Some mm -hmm. have like, you know, it's totally like, I think comparable and I don't think anyone has it harder than anyone else because we all have it pretty shitty and we all have our like pros and cons and everything. Right. Well, I wasn't going to necessarily say like harder or like more shitty and I don't want to like assign a hierarchy or assign like meaning or value to a thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like all voices are valid, mm -hmm. right. Regardless of their depth or height or timber or whatever, um, Good music it, word. It's crunchy. Oh, thank you. It, it's all it, it, truly. It is all about the way that we like are socialized and like kind of assign things. And a lot of that is also grounded in like 
whiteness, right? And like the ways that like, for example, I'm getting off on a tangent, so I'm just going to... No, 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 keep going, keep going. The only thing I will say, and then I'll go back to the question, is, um, you know, some of the comments I know you've shared with me that you've heard are like, oh, well, it's easier for, you know, black trans mask people because this is in quotes, 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 quotes. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, like a lot of, you know, assigned female at birth black folks have deeper voices anyway which first of all like that's a stereotype that's not always true yeah um and then also it's this ma- masculinization of black women right and and black assigned female at birth folks who may not be mask at all to have like these qualities that's grounded in a lot of old like racist stereotyping that we do not have time to go into today but i just kind of want to point that out as like one of the mu- multitude of fallacies that kind of exist around gender and the way that we gender things and voices and the ways that people's bodies move through the world. So all that is to say, can I piggyback off of that really quick? Sure. I promise this is topical and important. Um, it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I've actually seen the exact same sentiment said, but for black trans femme people, um, because, and obviously we know it's a fallacy and there's big air quotes around this, but, you know, if anyone's ever been on the LGBT board on 4chan, you know that it's a bunch of self-hating white trans girls who are all Nazis. And the, the common thread is so many of them saying, I wish I was black because my voice will sound natural. And it's, it's so racist and so shitty and uninformed because there are some of these people that say because of voice, that black trans women have it the easiest of all of us when we know statistically that's not true. That's actually like complete polar opposite from what the statistics show and everything. And I totally wanted to offer the trans woman perspective on the other side of the coin because fallacies go in any direction that you point mm-hmm. and it's everywhere. And so much of it is based, as you said, in racism and colonialism. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Right, right. We didn't even have to get. We don't even have time to get into colonialism and the whole Ooh, concept of gender episode. and yes. like colonialism well, and sex. <laughs> How to get into that? All the things. All the things. But uh, I'm gonna give you back the talking stick. Sorry for taking that in the first place. No, no, no. I think it, I think it is relevant. Um, but all that is to say, in terms of voice, because you are living within your body and you hear your voice all the time you and like people around you hear your voice all the time as well so like they might not even notice right away unless there's a really dramatic change so like one of the things i always recommend and really appreciate having done myself was like every week recording my voice and kind of listening and even going back like if i if it's been two months going back to week one and hearing that like you know this is you know day one on testosterone voice versus like two months progress versus six months versus a year versus two years and sometimes just for shits and gigs i will like play like a really old recording of myself from like way before i started testosterone and no one ever knows it's me like the voice is just it just like doesn't even sound like it's like a totally different person old videos of me from like a similar era (laughs) my voice was like in the bass range and now i'm like a a tenor or something right yeah like i started pretty much like as a soprano Oh my god, yeah. I remember hearing of, your old voicemail, and I was just like, when are you going to change this, dude? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a thing. Um, so, like, that's one thing I would say is, like, plan to, to do that for yourself. Like, mm-hmm. it's a good self-care thing to do. Because um, you can feel like you're you're stuck. 
in a lot of a lot of ways. Um, but the changes are happening. They just take time. And the voice is one I think that takes so long and happens so gradually that like that's what I usually recommend for folks to kind of pay attention to. Um, you also will get really hungry because your body, your metabolism is going to dramatically increase with mm-hmm. testosterone. Um, you, your body fat will redistribute in really odd and sometimes unfortunate for myself, speaking purely for maybe. myself, uh, ways. Um, <laughs> and, and that's fine. Like, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And well, maybe for a few things, but, but, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just be, be aware that like, you're going to be really hungry. Um, a lot of trans mask people people when they start testosterone they do gain weight uh part of that's muscle gain part of that is you know if you're not eating and exercising and doing all the things like you will gain body fat like that just is what happens um and so just you know don't beat yourself up too much for that because that's part of the process and part of maintaining your yourself um, maybe have like a healthy snack option to suit those like yeah, yeah. Try to you know try to take care of your health and like be sensitive to that. And you know, it 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 it's an ebb and flow kind of thing. Like I think for myself, like early on, like I gained a lot of weight. A lot of it was muscle mass, but I did gain some body fat. And then uh, when I started working out at the time, the body fat like melted away pretty quickly. And then I just kept gaining muscle mass. Now part of that is also just my biology and my physiology. I've always been a person who gains muscle mass really easy. Like I could pick up a toothpick, probably gain mu- muscle mass. It's like, true. It's it's just a thing. So you you know I always say like kind of look at your closest male relatives too to kind of get a sense of like what could happen. Um, a lot of folks worry about like male pattern baldness and things with that. If you're on a low enough dose of tea, that's really not going to affect you. It's really only when you get into kind of like these really higher doses of testosterone that that kind of happens. But I think probably the biggest thing, um, just to kind of get off of this question into the next question, which is related, um, I had hot flashes mm-hmm. when I was going through um, essentially menopause, menopause right? Um, and I did not expect that. That was not a thing. No one ever told me that that would happen. I did not anticipate that shit coming for me. And at the time, I was working full time. Uh, I would like, you know, go to work in like suits and shit and have a binder on and I would just be sweating Mm -hmm. so much. And it would be, and the office was cold. Like I was always cold. I'm a cold person. Jazzy can tell you, I keep the house at like 70 degrees. And even then I die every day because I'm a husky. Sometimes I am too cold. So for me to have hot flashes and be overheating, it was awful. And that probably happened about six months in is when um, I really noticed that my cycle was like slowing down and then like stopped but then you have those hormonal shifts as well. Um, so, you know, just kind of be mindful of that um, as a thing that could potentially happen. It doesn't happen to every person, but. Should uh, this person stock up on any like specific products, like a specific kind of like razor or any like grooming goods or essentials, anything like that? Um, Not necessarily. I think it really just does depend on like what you, you know, want. I shaved, um, my body hair and my facial hair for a long time um just because i didn't want it you know not for any particular reason i just didn't want it um and it also just wasn't growing in very well for me at the time so i just like would shave it off and and you could use like any old razor really um i prefer a certain kind of razor but if you currently shave then that razor will probably do just fine for any you know hair that you like if you're trying to grow facial hair eventually you'll want to invest in like you know a grooming tool so that you can trim that shit and not have it be all wild and all of the place and 
mm-hmm. you know, perhaps a good beard oil to kind of like keep it nice and soft. Yeah, um, 100%. But you won't have to worry about that for a long time, probably at least a year. Now, some, mm-hmm. you know, trans mass people do grow it pretty fast, but most people I'd say don't really see that kind of growth until they're much further along in their transition. And it really does depend too on like your, you know, genetics and a whole host of other things. Yeah. So the next question is also just to you, um, also from the same person. Uh, Dear Gray, at what point do you think is the right time to have top surgery before or after I start tea from Fuzzy Soup Pee Him? So a lot of this is going to be dependent on your doctor, too. So, for example, the plastic surgeon I saw would only do surgery after you had been on testosterone for a year. And the reason why um, that was his practice, and he was he's one of the best surgeons in this part of the country, um, is because of the way your muscles form after you've been on testosterone, it creates a really nice line in the pectoral that they can follow when they're doing the incisions. Um, and that's really, it's for aesthetic reasons that they do that. Now, some surgeons, you know, they'll do it whenever, um, which I think is honestly better because there are you know, non-binary folks who want top surgery, who can't have it if they don't want to be on testosterone. And I feel like that's garbage. I don't like that gatekeeping bullshit. Um, so, you know, it really does depend on your doctor and, and really having that conversation about what, what you want, what makes sense. Um, I, you know, for me, it didn't really impact me as much because I knew I wanted to be on testosterone I knew I wanted to have top surgery. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm already going to be on testosterone anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think it really just depends. If if it's more a matter of just, you know, the dysphoria and wanting to be rid of, you know, the extra baggage, then I would just say, you know, this is what I want. And you can go from there because really you can build, you can build the muscle and the, the T will do all the things for you. It's just a matter of what the medical system is going to allow you to do within their constraints um, and within what that surgeon is wanting to do based on their practice. You said that there are like special codes that a doctor can put on your bill to deem a surgery uh, medically necessary. And that will really help the, um, the insurance costs because we do live in the fucking nightmare that is the United States where our healthcare costs like $50,000 if you have the sniffles. So can you talk a little bit about that experience when you were, talking to your doctor and then talking to the insurance and all that. Right. Yeah. I mean, anyone who works in healthcare probably knows this, but there are literally dozens of codes for kind of the same thing. And it really, um, it really does impact kind of what the cost can be of a surgery. It it impacts whether or not the surgery will be covered. Um, it, It impacts a lot of different things. And so there's not a whole lot, unfortunately, that you can do about that unless you're like, maybe able to shop around or if you've got a local pride clinic that you're working through, maybe talking to them about your concerns around the cost of, you know, the, the surgery. Um, and they might be able to figure out through your insurance, like what is feasible. I, um, you know, I've known some people who have, you know, struggled with that. I was very fortunate that my insurance covered, a pretty significant chunk of my surgery. I only had to pay about two thousand dollars out of pocket, which is still a lot of money, but is way more accessible than ten thousand dollars. 
And what's funny about that is that was specifically for your nipples, which were deemed medically necessary. <laughs> so you had to stay out of pocket to keep your nipples. Yeah, that's that 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 is correct. Yep. And and funny story, I actually didn't want my nipples. Not that anyone probably cares on the show, but I just feel like it should be noted that I had to pay two thousand dollars for the nipples that were deemed medically necessary, and I could not have surgery without paying for these nipples. Which I do have to say, you have the nicest nipples I've ever seen on a man. They're very cute nipples. I, I don't very, mind them. Yes. I don't mind. Them. They're very aesthetically pleasing, even if you don't feel them. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. And I guess that's a thing that, that does happen. Like, you will lose some uh, sensation. You might get some of it back. You might not. Getting cut open tends to do that. Yep, that 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 is true. That does tend to happen. Uh, can uh, you speak? Oh, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, you know, look at your options. There are some organizations like nonprofits that also do if you're low income um have grants and things like that that can cover surgeries or parts of surgeries trans lifeline is a great resource for that yeah will you put that in the show notes so that oh i totally could put that in the show yeah, notes yeah put that in the show notes um i wouldn't make a note of that keep talking okay um yeah so like that would be good and then um you know i've seen a lot of people like crowdfund their surgeries and things like that too so there are there are options um i would just you know talk to talk to your doctor talk to your insurance see what's feasible and always triple check with your insurance too because sometimes like they'll say oh we don't cover trans health care we don't cover that and then when you go through your doctor and your doctor says like oh well it would really be you know this surgery under this code that would be covered under your insurance. And so always double check. Sometimes there's there's hoops that you have to jump through and it's a lot of extra like energy spoons and like mental exhaustion to like kind of go through that kind of rigmarole of stuff. set up to oppress trans people and that's why. That is correct. Yes. And so um, I, I always just say like be tenacious in asking questions about your health and about your health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick before we move on, could you speak to um, uh, to people specifically about binding? Because I remember you had a very specific experience, but also a, an experience that was not unique in which um, your back was just fucked for a while because of binding. So for someone um, who is uh, gifted by Gaia, as it were, or someone who is quote-unquote too big to bind and maybe has like h's which stands for big old fucking honkers can you speak to that uh as someone to someone who may be struggling with pop dysphoria and feels nervous to bind or feels like they're too big to bind what does that look like well um my first thing is that all bodies are valid Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what your body looks like if you identify in one particular way then that is the type of body that you have. So if you identify as a man and thus you, thusly you are a man and you 100. have a man's body, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter. There are plenty of cis guys that have really big titties. Mm-hmm. No one questions it. No one. No one. And so why should we question it when we have a trans person who also has, you know, various size chests, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that should invalidate them in some way. It doesn't. It, in either direction, whether they're really small or really big, does not matter. Like, however you identify, your body is in line with your gender identity. Um, and even if you, I, and I, I want, and I say that to say, 
your, you know, if you feel dysphoria around your body, that is also valid and you deserve to have a body that you feel comfortable with and that you love and appreciate and all of those beautiful things. And you are also valid. Yes. It's like both of those things can be true at the same time. Like whatever you do, do it for you specifically. Right. Yeah. Don't feel like you should because of society, even if you might, you know, but I'm just kind of saying that both of those things can be true. We can, you know, be valid in our existence regardless of how we show up and also want something different for ourselves. Can you tell us a little bit about safe binding practices? Yes, I was moving to that next. I wanted to include a disclaimer, you know, Mm -hmm. first before I kind of go into this. Um, So if you are binding, you know, do it for yourself, not because people say that you should or because society says that you should. Um, And I think I've talked about this on the show before, like really early on. Mm -hmm. um, But for the new listeners, for the new listeners, you know, the the practice generally is that when binding, um, you should get a binder that fits appropriately and there are measurement guidelines on all the websites you should follow those exactly don't buy a smaller binder thinking it will make you look more flat you'll only end up hurting yourself um you can cause lesions you can hurt your back you can break a rib um all kinds of things and actually my 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 bro who we've talked about a little bit here actually did crack a rib Mm -hmm. when binding um because he had gained a little bit of weight because he'd been on to you for a while and he was still wearing kind of an old binder and he turned uh in a chair and literally cracked a rib Mm-hmm. Um, so do not do that. Um, you should only really bind for between six and eight hours. Eight hours is kind of like the upper, like maximum that you should bind. Now I say that having been a person who did bind for 10 plus hours a day, probably about 50 hours a week, knowing that that was not the appropriate thing to do, but you know, dysphoria sucks. And I, in the, in that moment, it was, it felt more appropriate for me to do that than to feel uncomfortable in my body. And now you have a, particular disc in your back that's always all like crunchy crunchy yes and now i do have a, a p like a part of my back that is um always needs to kind of pop back into place um and that really started as a result of my as my of my binding um and who knows like you know in 20 years like what that might mean for my body but yeah. there, it is not an unusual problem to see trans mask folks um who bind who have you know any number of related health issues um, and so practice safe binding if you were going to bind. There's a lot more that could be said about binding in the summer, but it's winter. It's winter. Where we are. So I'm not going to go into that. But if you are in a place where it is summer or it is warm, practice safe binding in warmth. There's plenty of resources online about how to do that. Um, and I would just say if you don't have to bind, do not feel compelled to do so. I would not encourage you to do it um, only because of the health risks. But... I also understand that for many people that is more healthy than the alternative. And so, you know, if you're going to do it, do it as safely as you possibly can. Sometimes the mental health benefit outweighs the physical part of it, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, I think that speaks to just how real trans people are, especially to the people who doubt our existence that trans people are willing to put themselves through something like that in order to feel in line with themselves, you know? And also, um, this is somewhat related. Please do not double bind. Please do not. One, one binder is sufficient. Um, now you, uh, if you don't have money for a binder, they do have companies that donate them. You can get a sports bra to bind and, you know, 
you can safely wear two sports bras yeah. and that will not hurt your body as significantly as a binder would because they are very different materials. Now, two binders, absolutely out of the question. Do not do that. You will you will potentially severely hurt yourself. Too much pressure on your chest can actually stop your heart. Yeah. So do not do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's it. Um, any more to add on the top surgery part? Um, no, not at this time, but if there are follow-up questions to that, I'd be happy to address them. Great. And people can reach out to you on the server or in your DMs if they have questions? Yes, they can slide into my DMs. <laughs> Kinky. Um, yeah, cool. Let's move on to the next question. All right. Well, now I'm, I'm giving you the uh, talking stick here because it's a question for you. Mm-hmm. So, dear Jazzy... Does it make me a bad person if I sometimes fantasize about my friend, who is a licensed nanny, platonically babysitting me? There are usually situations where my partner needs someone to watch me in little space while she's out of house. I've broached the topic with my partner before in a light, joking way, but I'm left wondering if including my friend in these fantasies is a violation of our friendship because of her lack of consent. Thanks, and this is from Jessie, who uses she, her pronouns. Okay, so... We use a term on the show a lot called French Vanilla, and that stands for someone who is kink aware, but not kinky themselves. And everyone should be assumed vanilla unless declared otherwise, because that's a very safe rule of thumb to go on. Um, so I would say there's n- there's not much wrong with this scenario happening in real life. But, you know, I I definitely, you know, I mean, I'm in a weird position because, you know, I'm a sex worker and I make money off of people fantasizing about me. And as an exhibitionist, I think that's hot. And I also, like, consented to that. However, not a lot of people would feel kind of squicked by that. And that's totally, like, up to them and also valid. So it's really like a complex question. And I I got this question a couple of days ago and, you know, I've been turning it over and over and over and over trying to figure out like, what's the best angle to come about this. Uh, And I'm kind of like thinking as I'm talking, because it is very complex. Uh, Daddy, what do you think? Hmm. You know, it's complex. Mm-hmm. Because it is a fantasy, and it's, you're recognizing it's a fantasy. You're recognizing it's a fantasy. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of liking, likening it to this. So many people have fantasized about famous people, mm-hmm. or about people that they see on the streets, right? Yeah. People that they see in Starbucks, right? They just like, ooh, and like, you know, they have a thought, right? Um, and so it, I think it's very human to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't think it would make you an awful person to have fantasies yeah. because people do that all the time. All the time. That's a very normal human thing to do. Yes. Now, I think where it would get kind, where it could get kind of weird is if like, tell them. well, I think. Yes, I think it, it absolutely it could get weird. I don't know that it necessarily has to because I think it does depend on the kind of relationship that you have with your friends. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like there are plenty of people with who sleep with their friends and their yeah. friends, right? And they or they make out with their friends or you know they do whatever with their friends. Your jazzy supports this, right? Like that's and and that's fine, you know. But you know if you've got, you know, I'm just thinking of some of our friends, like who oh, are, yeah. like our our very lovely Christian friends, yeah, who are very like you know proper and tightly buttoned. You know, if we were fantasizing about sleeping with them, which we are not, but if we, we but if we were, right, like that would be one thing. I think it'd be another thing if we, you know, knowing them and let's, you know, we know they're monogamous, we know they're married, we know they're in a relationship, they were just with themselves. It would be another thing if we were like trying to be all up in that. Yeah. Whether whether that would be, um, kind of on the dia, like the down low, or like to ask them that, knowing full well that they are monogamous. Right, because yeah. then that's putting them in like a really uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Um, so but, like not acting upon it, like as long as it like stays in your in your mind, like it can live in your mind palace and like live and die there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the key piece, right? It's just like if it's in your head and it never really leaves there, then that's fine. Um, but I feel like it would probably it could potentially be damaging to the relationship, right? Depending on the type of relationship that you have with your friends to kind of try to bring that into reality. Um, especially if they don't know about, you know, you being little or if they don't know about like, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Depending on who they are, they, that could, you know, damage that relationship. And you have to ask yourself, is that something that you would be wanting or willing to do for the sake of potentially having that fantasy come to fruition? Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think I'm going to pull something out of my my years of therapy on this one. And, you know, I think it's the thing, like, fleeting thoughts, like, are okay. And, like, momentary things are fine. But, you know, where thought errors occur is when you get hung up on something and when you start to obsess on one particular thought. You know, and if you find yourself hanging on this fantasy and becoming enamored by it, you know, it could make things awkward. Like, I don't know you on a personal basis i don't know this person on a personal basis but anyone getting hung up on anything is potentially that so as long as it's just like a casual thing and i also want to cite some specific verbiage in here and that's uh the word platonically so it doesn't sound like there's a lot of like hardcore sexual desire it sounds like this is a thing i would like to platonically do like innocently hanging out and it's just like, you know me, like I'm very like touchy feely. I platonically cuddle with my friends all the time. It's just part of furry culture. And like, we're both like Gucci with that and everything. And so it's just like, it's just not like that one thing. Like I totally like think about and miss cuddling with Ruka, my sister, because you know, I love her. She's my sister and she's a great cuddler and everything. I think about that a lot because she's cool. Is that weird? No, because, you know, there's the pre-established thing there and it's not sexual at all for either of us. So I think like imagining and fantasizing about a platonic babysitting scenario is, um, is you know, it, it's interesting because there's, you know, it's it's not. It's not sexual because it's platonic, but it is technically quote, quote, soft kinky because it does involve little space. So, you know, that's why we're that's why we're scratching our heads because it is very complex. But if your friend is a friend to Vanilla and knows you're little, 
you know, that starts to get a little bit less complex. That's that's what I think. You know, I think I'm just going to I'm just going to go out on a limb here and yeah. say that if it's as long as it stays as a fantasy, then like there's nothing wrong with there's it. nothing wrong with it. Yeah, like I think that's fine. I think to your point where and the thing that I meant to say and forgot because I'm, you know, two thirds of the way from my drink now. <laughs> I was going to say you're pounding that thing. Well, yes, it, it is <laughs> um, that as long as you don't find yourself getting lost in mm-hmm. the desire to have that fantasy come true, because once again, you know, whether it be platonically or not, if you know, if you opt to tell someone that you have this desire, right? Let's say it becomes a desire. Right now, it's just a fantasy, but let's say somebody thinks about it so much that it's something that they aspire to have now, right? They want this and they've, you know, they decide they want to make a move to bring that into fruition. It starts to leave the realm of platonic. Right. Well, well, I don't know if it leaves the realm of platonic because it could still be platonic, but then you have to, you have a choice to make, right? About whether or not you're going to tell this person that this is what you want. And that person, depending on who they are and what kind of relationship you have, that could change the dynamic of your relationship, right? Like, for example, this is kind of like a loosely connected example, but I have a good friend of mine who admitted to me that she wanted to sleep with me. Mm-hmm. You know this to be true. You yeah. know this person. Um, and, you know, she's like a sister to me. Like, I love her. Like, yeah, she's great. She, as family. And, you know, I, you know, maybe once upon a time I'd have thought about it, but, like, a friend of mine, my bro, who is, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, the angel on the shoulder, like, voice of reason. He totally is. Um, was, like, and this is before Jazzy and I were, dating so this is like you know, long before that was a thing um just to be clear my friend was like dude think about how that could potentially damage your relationship as friends like if y'all you know you might be able to like keep it platonic and keep it you know but do you feel like she could knowing her knowing how you know how she's where she's at in her life right now knowing how she feels about you like do you feel like that is a thing and I was like, no, like, I don't think that that's a thing that she could do. And he's like, right, so what are you going to do? Are you willing to throw away, like, this 10-year-long shit? <laughs> uh, make that 11 now. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 11-year-long friendship, you know, just because some, you know, because she's, you know, interested in having some kinky shit and getting beat up or whatever. And I was like, no, you're right, right? And so, like... Because that's also the last thing, knowing this person, that's the last thing she needed after being, like, divorced and, like, having kids yeah. and, like, stressed out with oh, her yeah. job. Uh, it's just, like, that's the last thing this person no, needed. Right, it would have been totally unethical, yeah. right? Um, but especially just, you know, even if all that was off the table, right, just knowing our dynamic. And so I wanted to be really thoughtful about that. And that's the same thing here. Like, as long as it's in your head, like, she can fantasize about sleeping with me all she wants. It does not affect me. In fact, it's, actually kind of, it's really flattering for me, just for me. Now, and, and even if it was platonic, like whatever that would look like for her, mm-hmm. she wanted me to babysit her. We'll pretend she was little, right? She could do that all <laughs> she wanted. I have the mental image of that. Right. Like, let me pretend that that's what, you know, she fantasized about. But it, when it comes into the reality of maybe wanting that thing and then telling someone that that's what you want to do. Then you put in the possibility that that person might feel some kind of way about that. And so that's the only thing I would say. I don't think it, to kind of go back to the original point, it does not make you a bad person yeah. at all. No. And even if it was a thing you wanted, that would not make you a bad person. It just 
Having mean, sexual desire is very human. Right. Or platon- whatever it looks like, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be sexual, but it doesn't make you a bad person to want or even think about a thing. Um, it's just a matter of, like, how would that affect your relationships that I think is something that if that was the case, you'd have to think about. That's all. Kind of an epilogue to that story is a nice, like, common ground that you found is you went over to hang out with her just before COVID, and you two, like, ordered pizza and snuggled, and it was really wholesome and really cute. And this is after uh, we had started dating, and you asked me, like, hey, is it okay if we do this? I'm like, fuck yeah, I encourage you snuggling with your friends. Go for it. It was really wholesome. So before we move to the next question, do you think I can make the wastebasket with my Mike's Hard Lemonade bottle? From no, there? you absolutely can't. I, what if I try? It, it's total. Oh, wait, wait. It is it's now totally perfect. empty. Find your books behind it. All right. So. Yeah. She missed. Which is exactly what I knew would happen. Did you pee? Anyways, let's get back to the podcast that we're doing here. Wet baby. Oh my god. What's the next question? Okay. Dear Jazzy, as someone that is neurodivergent and just childish by nature, I have a lot of mixed feelings about being infantilized. On one hand, it can be a bit uncomfortable being treated like a baby by strangers because of how I act. But on the other hand, sometimes my reaction to it is a little too positive. Do you have any advice on how I can manage these feelings? Anonymous using she, her, or they, them pronouns. Well, anonymous using she, her, and they, them pronouns. Um... It sounds like you're struggling with the cross-section of, of ableism. And, you know, it's definitely one thing for someone like one of us in the Dear Jazzy server, in the little community, to, to do that to someone they know is also part of the community. And it's totally another thing for like a random passerby on the street pick up on your neurodivergency and then treat you differently and that's something that's been literally talked about for decades by the neurodivergent community is is that you know we want to be able to we largely want to be able to function and operate in the world like everyone else while everyone else kind of treats us with kid gloves or treats us as kids which sucks um I definitely have had times where um, with with my hearing impairment where people totally like get on their knees and put on like, you know, the soft face and then like come like come down to my level. What I said was blah, blah, blah. And it's just like and I feel super invalidated and infantilized. I feel like my intelligence has been called into question. And what we know about like a ton of neurodivergent people is that we are extremely intelligent and it's like, it's not even a question. So we are more than capable of interfacing in, in the world and in a discussion and in a conversation. And a lot of the times, you know, it's not you, it's someone else's inability to see and inability 
to hear and communicate and everything. And that's something that a lot of neurotypical people just don't get. Because, you know, what we know of the media for, God, since almost like a hundred years of media is, um, oh, that person's weird. They're from an institution. They're scary. They're violent. And just like, there's this like long-held perception that neurodivergent people are either scary or dumb or have to be treated a specific way. And it's just like, no, we're, we're just trying to like exist here. And, you know, I, I totally hear that. And it sounds like, you know, you, you have conflicting feelings on it. And I think, you know, what I would recommend is when someone is like baby talking, you maybe like analyze the situation. And if it's someone from like our community or another kinky person, you know, I would say like that would be a good time to like apply that context. And if it's a random passerby, apply that appropriate context. And think like this is not this stranger trying to little me. This is the stranger being ableist to me. Um, what do you think, Daddy? Um, well, I think it comes back once again to boundaries and consent, mm -hmm. right? I don't care what community you're in. If I don't give you consent to treat me some kind of way, then you have no business treating me that way. You know what? 100. Like, if, you know, it's it, to me, it's just like, I don't I'm trying to think of an example. But, okay, let's put it this way. Let's say we're at, you know, our club. And right. someone can clearly see that you're little. And they come up and they start babying you. And I don't know them. You don't know them. I'd be creeped out. That's fucking creepy. It's inappropriate. And also, it, it goes, well, in, in that context, it would go against protocol, which means they're about to get the ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbially speaking, of course. Maybe. Maybe literally. Maybe literally. Our security is pretty tough. Right. And so I just think of it like this. You, you know, regardless of how it might, it, you know, it might very well feel good, right? Um, and I guess in that moment, you have to decide, like, is this a thing that I'm comfortable with or not, right? And so if you, it's something that you are comfortable with and you want to proceed with that, then even if you don't verbally say it, you are consenting into that by, you know, saying to yourself, like, I'm comfortable with this, so I'm going to continue to engage in this conversation. Uh, if you are uncomfortable and the person is continuing to do it, that is non-consensual, that is inappropriate, and th they have no business doing that in the first place, um, so they shouldn't be doing it, but that gives you absolutely every right to tell them to back the fuck up and tell them they need to stop. Um, and so I just think about it anytime we have these kinds of conversations about like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? For me, it all goes back to consent. Mm -hmm. Did you consent to that? If you did, great. If you didn't, then there's a conversation that needs to be had about somebody being inappropriate and crossing a line. I really love the context that you brought to this because I feel like I was approaching it from the perspective of someone who is in the little community and does not have that boundary set for themselves and they are open to receiving random acts of littleness from others in the community. And, and then you brought the context of someone who does have that boundary set and does not want, but and someone like me where I do not like random people approaching me, like that feels really weird and invasive to me. So I'm really happy that you said that. And now we have like, like a set of contexts for this. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. No, that was good. Um, we have one more, but do we have any anything more to say on that? No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I feel like I've I've, I've said my piece on that one. That was a really good question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one last question to both of us. So take it away. Sure. Uh, dear Jazzy and Dado Jazz, I feel like uh like Dado Jazz two thousand maybe an <laughs> old model. Uh, <laughs> question is slime and diapers. Best consistency, formula, scene ideas. Give me the whole rundown on this new and exciting world I have recently learned about. This is from Jamie Bell, who uses she, her pronouns. So, Jamie Bell, welcome to the wide world of slime. I see that you are a person of discerning taste, which is why you're coming into this wonderful fetish. I feel like Sluggy could offer up some insight into slime. (laughs) Such a shame that she is not here this evening. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Um... So, slime. What is the brand that we get? It comes with like a powder. It's not Jello brand, is it? Not like Jello, like the dish, but Jello the brand. Ooh, I think it is, but it's like it comes in like a tin, and it comes in a powder. You mix it with water, you stir it up, and it creates like, you know, depending on how much water you put in, a sludgy versus a runny slime and the best part is that it's edible and it tastes like raw sugar so if you're into that great i do not like raw sugar however um there's lots of different kinds of slime you can they sell kits at craft store that the base component is like glue uh there are edible slimes there are more runny slimes that are like uh typically called like gunge or something which is a terrible name and i hate it but that's more closely linked to like the Nickelodeon style slime and everything. You're giving me a look right now. I don't like the word gunge. I hate it. I hate it. I feel dirty just saying it. But I will say gunge. that there <laughs> ew that there was a uh porn video I really, really liked and I for the life of me I cannot find it. But it's a um it's a person who blew up an intact pool and put it in their bathroom and then put a puffy paws in the pool in the bathroom and then covered it all with like layers and layers of slime that he called gunge because it was like more like slippery and runny and everything and spent like 30 minutes just clipping and sliding all over everything god it was so fucking good but you know there's one scene idea is slime and pool toys mix really 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 well slime in bathtubs works really well Especially if you pull the shower curtain and you're able to just, like, good slime is water soluble. You can just, like, rinse it off. So you can, like, make a mess. I think some of my favorite scenes are just, like, playing with shaving cream in the bathtub. And it's just, like, fun. And you can, like, make a mess and then rinse it all down and you're good to go. Um, In particular, for slime and diapers, I actually did that for one month's porn. And that was really, really good. And a lot of people really were jazzed on that. Where it went down, uh, it went down a little pause, I think, and then it also got like poured all over me in a beach ball, and that was really hot. Um, all over like my titties, that was really good. Um, yeah, no, slime is great. Um, I think starter would be like that little like tin we were talking about. Are you still like it's the jello play? Yes, um, and it does taste like, in my opinion, it tastes like garbage, but yeah. It is um, edible. It is food safe. And I, I personally feel like food safe safe stuff is like the way to go. I wouldn't put 
anything that has sugar in it in an orifice. Yeah, no. Um, that's, <laughs> that's a great that's a way idea. to get some kind of an infection. So I just want to yeah. put that disclaimer out there. I also wouldn't put like shaving cream or anything else like that, like in an orifice because it's like chemicals and yeah. So and also it, that can fuck up your pH balance if you exactly. have certain parts. And, yeah. yeah. So yeah. do be careful and make sure that it's food safe and also that it won't fuck up your pH and everything. Right. But there is a lot of like, there's some slimy lubes out there that I've seen yes. that are safe to go inside of. That are meant to go inside of. Yes. And so if you're going to do anything inside of, um, then that is what you should do. Green lube. There you go. You can buy a fuck ton of green. You can buy 55 gallons of lube on Amazon Prime. And, you know, it probably only takes a little food coloring to stir up the fucking oil drum that comes in. There you go. Green slime. Splish splash. I'm curious. I don't know what it is. This is a, probably another tangent. We probably don't even have time for it, but I'm just two seconds. It's, it's our it's our show. We can do whatever we want. Okay. Well, so I know Pornhub whole thing. Yeah. Eh, we don't like it. Okay. Right. Now they have um these videos that are the come 4K videos. Come 4K. Come 4K. C U M for the number K. Okay. And it's just, they're just like, it's all fake cum. Like, it's just sure. like lots of fake cum. But it's really, it looks really like slimy and like drippy and like. It's like 4K, like the resolution? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's really high res cum. High res porn with like lots of fake cum shots. So this is not for someone with a crappy internet connection is what <laughs> I'm hearing. No. <laughs> <laughs> But there's lots of the the lube, whatever they're using, it is like the consistency is like slime. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but that would be whatever that is, probably a really great thing to get a lot of and put in something and play with. Yeah. So I think yeah. another thing I'll say, I mentioned glue based uh slime. That shit will harden. So definitely be careful. Do not put that uh in your diaper because that will go up your butthole and around your princess parts or prince parts or royalty parts so that's not a good luck having fucking elmer's glue all up in your bits uh <laughs> so that's more of like a stimming thing because people put like glitter and shit in there which i know daddy has feelings about littles and glitter because that that does go everywhere but um I, I definitely will go back to using lube is especially if you can find colored lube or find a way to color plain looking lube. Also lube comes in flavors. We're living in the future. We have like two different flavors down there. It's been coming in flavors for like decades. Oh fuck. You just, I haven't been because... fucking for decades. <laughs> <laughs> I've been fucking for like what year is it? For like half a decade at most. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, that's the tea on slime. Daddy, what is a a uh, slime scene that you would like to see? Because I, I, I put one out there, and that's unsurprisingly with inflatables and diapers and all that good stuff. And I actually talked last episode about my, like, my biggest fantasy being, like, turn, going, locking a locker room alone, locking myself in there so I have total privacy going into the shower that's all clean because I'm a fucking germaphobe and those floors are nasty. But turning on all the showers on maximum heat so it gets all steamy, throwing a puffy paws in there, tons of slime, go to town. What's what's one what's a, a slime scene that you would like to carry out? 
that's a brilliant question. I apologize. I was actually looking up the cum <laughs> <laughs> to see if I could find like the actual video. No, there's so many. I was looking up the the um the stuff that they use, and so one of them is like a cornstarch based huh. with uh, gelatin. Interesting. Yeah, and then if you want it to like be sweet, you could put like high fructose corn syrup. You could like if you wanted to eat, put it in your mouth, I guess. Yeah. But this, Which a lot of littles do. Yeah, and I bet the so it, because it's a cum lube. This is not the question you asked me, but <laughs> no, no, this is fine. Keep going. <laughs> That's what the cornstarch is for, is to make it white. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> anyway. If anyone's curious, you can uh, look up recipes online on how to make fake cum. And I can just imagine, like, fucking grandma getting out her iPad and tippity-typing. Oh, wow, that does look like cum. See? Like, I mean. But when you said recipes, the image I had is, like, a poor unsuspecting grandmother going on, like, the iPad with size. 11,000 font going on allrecipes.com and looking up fucking, I don't know, like icing. And then there's a recipe for fucking cum. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, oh no. Hopefully there's nothing on all recipes about this, like cum icing. I mean, to each their own, right? Like, watch, someone's going to fucking post it now on all recipes because of this stupid show. Good. <laughs> good. No. Good. Okay, slime scene, go. Um,. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in this, like, fake cum. Like, that sure. seems like a thing that would be really fun. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't paying attention when you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk about the um, the latex suits? No, fuck, go off. Oh, okay. Go off. I, I'll be brief. Um, so, you and I, latex suits, lots of slimy things. Slipping and sliding around. On each other. On each other. In each other. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm flushing right now, aren't I? Yep. Yep. Okay. Wow, it's going down to my legs. legs. It's going (laughs) down to my feet. Oh, okay. That's a scene. Cool. That's the question. Let's end this shit. Okay. And that, yeah, that's the uh, last question. Hey, Daddy, can you plug the merch before we close it out? You should buy all the things on the website. There's lots of really cool things. There's water bottles and coffee mugs. And are there t-shirts? Yeah. There's t-shirts. There's a, there's one that it has. It's like a athletic cut. And yes. On the back, it says, uh, like, where it says the last name, it says Starshine. And then the number is 69. Nice. It's in hot pink. So, you know, if you want to rep your 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 uh your queerness there you go look it's you know it's it's the holiday season give the gift that keeps on giving it keeps on giving which is this show and knowledge and sex and my patreon and the patreon which gives you lots of really sexy pictures that i typically take yeah but you take (laughs) and you typically film yep that is correct yes indeed uh, can you tell them about the Patreon? You should subscribe to the Patreon um, because you get lots of really cool things through the Patreon, which you described earlier in the show. Um, but I think perhaps I personally enjoy being a member of the $15 tier because you get to say lots of really embarrassing things to Jazzy on the show. <laughs> yes, you make you her blush and flustered. So you get lots of really sexy porn. 
Um, and naked pictures of your hostess. Hi. With the mostess. And yeah, it's just a really great time, you know. Um, so I would highly recommend the Patreon because you do get, I think, a really good value for what you're paying because in many cases you would be paying way more for the same amount of stuff from other, you know, organizations and they might not even offer even half of the stuff that Jazzy's offering through the Patreon. So you should absolutely subscribe. Um, and if you can't subscribe, then uh, you can always... I think donate on like a month to month basis through the Patreon, or you could support through buying merchandise. Absolutely. It is, you know, it, we're on episode 46 right now. I've been doing the Patreon pitch for like 36 episodes. It's really nice to have someone else do it for once. That, that was weird. It was nice. That felt really good. Not going to lie. Uh, yeah. Daddy, where can people find you? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm on the Discord server. Um, so feel free to hit me up in there if you are in the uh, in the server for the show. And then I'm also on Twitter. What is my Twitter handle? <laughs> At Lawless Gray. No, no, that's not right. Nope. Nope. You know Should it. Should I bleep that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll bleep that. Okay, let me make a fucking timestamp note. <laughs> what is my... I feel like I, I was got you, Dad. on the spot. I didn't know I would need to plug myself. <laughs> I got you. Oh no! Your Twitter handle is at x daddy gray x. Thank you. You can find me there on Twitter. <laughs> Good. What's my Twitter handle? I'm gonna be straight up. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> I come to talk. I come to drink. And I come to have a good time, and that's what I've done. You you come. You get on the mic. You drink your old fashioned, and you dad it up. That's right. I think a lot of people don't quite understand when I say. You are not a big part of like the internet, like culture. No, and everything, and that's all. It's almost like a generational thing because <laughs> a lot of people ask me like, "What does Daddy Gray play? Does he play games?" And I'm like, "Not really," and they like don't understand when I say that. I'm like, "No, you don't understand. He's he doesn't do cons. He's not like a huge gamer." <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so funny because I'm just like, no, he, his entire life is basically his work. <laughs> he is very dadly in that regard. And it's honestly really hot. It's true. So yeah. Um, and you can find me online at, at odds with God.com. That's where all my links are. Um, my Twitter handle is at little jazzy baby. I've gotten a ton of new followers lately. Thank you so much. I finally breached the 800 threshold. I'm like, 819 right now so holy shit thank you so much um i'm also in discord you can hit me up at jasmine starshine 0001 uh you can hit me up on either of those two or email me if you want a invite to our discord server so you can hang out with our amazing community and tune into the live shows um other than that uh the best way to support the show is through the patreon and through merch thank you so much to everyone who has subscribed and donated and everything it really has made a big change in my life and i really appreciate it um i think other than that the last thing i gotta say is that dear jazzy is an at oddswithgod.com production visit us online at oddswithgod.com visit patreon visit camp buddy visit our affiliate links visit our merch store this is daddy gray and our discord and with that i have been jasmine starshine and i have been daddy gray and we will see you next time. Take care.
Okay. <laughs> what? What's up? <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs>